worship the Lord this morning or this evening. Come on, he's worthy. Hallelujah, it feels good in the house of God tonight. It feels good enough to raise a hand. It feels good enough to raise a voice right now. Hallelujah. Lord, we bless your name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Um, if you will, quickly go with me to 2 Kings chapter 4, and then we'll jump to uh, Luke chapter 12. It's a little bit of a lengthy deal. It's probably five verses in each chapter, so I'll try to hurry to uh, make sure you're not standing up too long. So 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 1. <clears throat> now there cried a woman of the wives of the sons of the prophet unto Elisha, saying, Thy servant, my husband, is dead, and thou knowest thy servant did fear the Lord, and the creditor is come to take unto him my two sons to be bondmen. And Elisha said unto her, What shall I do for thee? Tell me, what hadst thou in the house? And she said, Thy handmaid hath not anything in the house save a pot of oil. And he said, Go, bar the vessels abroad from all thy neighbors, even empty vessels, and get a lot of them. Don't borrow not a few. That's a fancy way of saying every vessel that you can possibly find, bring it to me. Borrow not a few. And when thou art come in, thou shalt shut the door upon thee and upon thy sons, and shalt pour out into all those vessels, and thou shalt set aside that which is full. So she went from him and shut the door upon her and upon her sons, which brought forth the vessels, and, pour, and she poured out, and it came to pass, when the vessels were full, that she said unto her son, Bring me yet a vessel. And he said unto her, You done used them all up. There's not a vessel more. Every vessel we have is full. And the oil stayed. And of course, we know she went and sold the oil. She passed it along and paid the creditors. So then Luke chapter 12, verse 16 says, And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought with himself, saying, What shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. He was full too. And he said, this will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasures for himself is not rich toward God. What I want to talk to us about this, uh, this evening for our Sunday school lesson is what to do when you're full. So let's thank God for the word and ask his anointing on it. Lord Jesus, God, we ask that you would anoint this Sunday school lesson message in the name of Jesus. God, we know that your word is already anointed. I ask that you would anoint me as I try to deliver Lord Jesus, what you've given to me in the name of Jesus. Come on, let's give God a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You can be seated. Um, if I'm on my right schedule, today was an eat day. Yes, it was. I'm not going to make the mistake to get up here on a no-eat day and talk about food. I know you did. I saw you So this this uh this fast kind of makes you do interesting things. Uh you know yesterday was 
snow it day. So I'm the only one that does this, but all day long yesterday, besides praying, you know what I was thinking about? What am I going to eat tomorrow? At lunch. I do 11 o'clock lunch and then 5 o'clock dinner. So I was looking forward to 11 o'clock. You know, everybody was. Well, no, probably just me. Because I was, you know, I was here, not there. You know, that's the thing about those those no-eat days. You just think about the next day and and what you're going to eat. Well, it was fajitas and, and homemade tortillas and just a bountiful feast. And 11 o'clock rolled around, and I had a problem. I began eating, and I got full. And then what do you do when you're full? You know what I've done? I kept eating. <laughs> what, Sister Wanda? You know you do it too. It ain't nobody in here stops eating when they full. You stop eating either when the food runs out or when you get sick. And more times than not, you know, we cook way too much food. <laughs> so that whole business about stop eating when you're out of food, that don't really happen too much in America. Because, I mean, we are blessed. We're blessed with a lot of stuff. We're be- blessed with a lot of food. But see, that's my problem when I'm full. I just want to keep filling up. And, you know, if it wouldn't be in a person... Get something so full that it'll eventually just spill out. Well, that's kind of the situation we had with these two stories, completely opposite, separated by thousands of years in the Bible. Both of them were full. Both of them were had a problem with being full, so to say. But for whatever reason, one was lauded as a hero at the end of the story, and the other a fool. So what was the difference? They, they, they both had the exact same problem. One had, you know, vessels full of oil, and the other one had vessels full of, full of grain or wheat or barley or whatever his fruits were that bestowed bountifully in his field. <clears throat> now, the, the vessels were a key difference. See, one vessel was built by the, the farmer, so to say, or the, or the, the field worker, the fruit bestower, whatever they called them back in those days. He built his own vessel, and he filled it up, which is great, you know. Maybe the Lord blessed him. Maybe the Lord blessed him with that harvest, and he was able to fill up his vessel. And then the other one had a vessel born out of crisis, not necessarily born out of hard work, not necessarily born out of, out of her hands, but her vessels that she was trying to fill was born out of crisis. Her husband had died, and and the, the creditors had come knocking on the door. Thankfully, the Lord performed a miracle, and her vessels was full too. So right now what we have is two people that, yeah, for, the, for the sake of the interest of this message, let's just assume that God did bless the farmer. The, you know, not in a miraculous way, the way he blessed the widow woman, the Shunammite woman, but still, you know. Just say God blessed his field because, you know, all good things come from the Lord. So basically we have two people with two full vessels that were blessed by God. 
But then, you know, you, they, they stay the same for that long, and then something happens, a divide happens where at the end of the story, one is a, is a hero that, that we still preach about to this day in a very positive light. And, you know, we, we, we draw upon that message for inspiration for miracles. And, you know, look what God can do if you'll just get it into his hands. But on the other side of the coin, we have a fool. And it's all what the, the, the key difference here is what happened when they were full. It was all about how they handled being full. It was all about when God put those blessings in their life, what they did with them, so to say. Now, like I said, the farmer, he filled his own vessel, and when it was full, you know, his grain silo or storage house or barn or whatever they put their stuff in back in those days, I would imagine it was probably square, and made out of stone because that seems like something pretty easy to build. I guess it could have been round. I think they built pyramids too, but I don't think it was that long ago. But either way, he built his own thing and he filled it up. And then when his vessel was full, when his barn was full, when his grain silo was full, his idea was, well, since this one's full, I'm just going to tear it down, get rid of the whole thing, and build something bigger. Well. The problem with that in my mind's eyes, what are you going to do with the grain? Well, never mind. I just figured it out. I'm, I'm goofy. All you got to do is build a new one first and move it over, then tear the other one down. Just, I mean, right? I, I, I know. I, it just clicked on me. I mean, I don't mean to get too personal here, but all my life I've been thinking that this dude tore down his barn and, and just stored his grain up and then put it over there. All he's got to do. I'm sorry. All he had to do was build the new barn first and then tear the old one down. But never mind that revelation that Brandon just got because y'all are probably a lot faster than me. But I think the, the, the start of his foolishness was whenever he decided to build that new barn to fill it up with God's blessings, so to say, the start of his foolishness was tearing down what was already full. You know, just because we're full of the blessings of God at this church, because we are. Let me just say that right now. This church is slam-packed full of the blessings of God. We're full of the power of the Holy Ghost. We're, we're, we're full of miraculous power. We're full of healing power. We're full of salvation. We're full of answers for people that come into this house looking for those answers. People that come in here looking for questions about where they got to go and, and, and what, what's this life all about. This church is full of, the, full of those answers. This church is full of the Holy Ghost healing, saving power of God. But just because it's full, that does not mean we have to tear down everything that's brought us to this point. Come on, a lot of prayers has brought us to this point. A lot of fasting has brought us to this point. Come on, holding to a holiness standard has brought us to this point. It would be the beginning of our foolishness to tear all that down that's brought us to where we are, full of power, full of the Holy Ghost, full of salvation, full of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. 
Come on, that was the beginning of his foolishness, is tearing down what the Lord had already blessed. Hallelujah. And then his foolishness brought him to being at ease. He said, all right, now I'm full. I've got everything my way. I've got everything sorted out. I have need for nothing. I have want for nothing. I've got money in the bank. I don't have to worry about anything. I don't have to worry about the creditor coming knocking on my door. I don't have to worry about uh, about next year's meal or next month or even the next day's meal. I've got a great big storage barn that I just rebuilt, filled up, then tore down the other one. Full. I don't have to worry. So I'm going to kick back, and I'm going to take it easy. Come on, that was the second step to his foolishness. Just because, church, just because we're full of power, just because we're full of the Holy Ghost, just because we're full of Jesus Christ, does not mean that it's time to rest easy. It does not mean that it's time just to ride this thing out to the end. It does not mean that it's time just to lock the door and throw away the key and batten down the hatches, so to say, and just make it to heaven. Come on, it's not just about us making it to heaven. It's about filling vessels. And that's the difference in the two stories. That's the difference in the hero and the fool. That's the difference in the rich man and the poor woman. He filled his vessels. She only had oil. She had no vessels to fill. Then she got some. But she didn't build those vessels. She borrowed them. She went and gathered them up. She went to her neighbors and borrowed not a few. Now, hang on. The thing about borrowing something, my mouth was dry, I'm sorry. The thing about borrowing stuff, the way it's supposed to work, When you borrow something, borrow implies what? Taking it back. Now, she had a little twist on this. She borrowed vessels and then sold them. I don't know how that works, but I mean, some people call that theft. Come on, if you borrow somebody's horse and you take it and sell it, it's not honorable. But, you know, just the same way we assume that the farmer's fields were blessed by God, let's just assume that the ones that she sold, she had permission to. I mean, it's a, I think that's a fair assumption to make. I mean, come on, the Lord just performed a miracle in her life. Surely she's not going to go fencing pots. Ain't that what you call it when you sell stuff, you stole, you fence it? I don't know. But anyway, she borrowed some vessels, brought them into the house, filled them with oil. Wait, no, she didn't sell them. She sold the oil. It was a BYOV. 
whoever she brought those vessels, to, the oil to, they had to bring their own vessels. Uh, yeah, bring your own vessels. So these borrowed vessels, you just got to assume that she's going to give them back. And the Lord performed a miracle on those vessels and the oil. But I just got it, and it didn't say specifically which one the miracle was specifically over that Elisha performed. Was it the oil or was it the vessels? Let's just assume for a moment that it was the vessels that were anointed. That when you poured the oil into these vessels, it retained it. It retained it as long as you needed it. It retained that oil until you got ready to sell it or you needed it or, or you just didn't need it anymore. Maybe, maybe it wasn't the oil that was anointed. And I know that's kind of contrary to what we talk about, the, the anointing of the oil, but possibly it's the vessels. Because you know there's anointed vessels in God's kingdom too. There's a whole bunch of them sitting in the, under this roof right now. We're anointed vessels of God. Come on, we're full of the anointing of God. And we're going to stay full until either we pour ourselves out through some, you know, backsliding or whatever, or we're full until God brings us home. Come on, just because you exercise in the anointing of the Holy Ghost, just because you're a vessel full of the anointing of the Holy Ghost, and you exercise in that anointing, you don't necessarily lose that measure of anointing. You stay full. The vessel stays full. You operate in anointing. You operate in the power of the Holy Ghost. You operate in the name of Jesus. But every time you do that, your gaze don't go down a tick. You stay full. The vessel stays stays full. So maybe her vessel stays full and she borrowed those vessels. Borrowing implies giving it back. She gave those vessels back to the people that she borrowed them from. She reached out into her community, brought vessels in, anointed those vessels, and sent them back out into the community. Sent them back out in the world. Sent them back out to perform the task that God granted her a miracle to perform. Come on, when she borrowed those vessels, filled them with oil, sold that oil, then she gave them back. She sent anointing into other people's houses. She sent the blessings of God into other people's houses by borrowing those vessels and filling them with the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Sounds a whole lot like outreach. <laughs> Sounds a whole lot like mission work. It sounds a whole lot like witnessing to people, bringing in empty vessels, filling them with oil, and sending them back out. And then they bring in vessels into their house, filling them with anointing, and sending them back out. And then they do, and they do, and it grows exponentially. That means it starts slow. But the more vessels you fill, the more people you fill, the more anointing that you spread, it just climbs. And eventually, an exponential growth grows straight up. It starts out flat and slow, and then there's a curve, and it goes straight up. I believe that we're right here, church. We're right here in that curve, in the exponential growth of our efforts, the exponential growth of our outreach, the exponential growth of our prayers, of our ministry is on its way to being straight up. Oh, 
You want to talk about a full church? You want to talk about a full house? You want to talk about full vessels? You want to talk about people being filled with the Holy Ghost? Oh my, it all starts with sending out vessels. It all starts with going out and bringing them in, filling them up, and sending them right back out. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, let's thank God one more time. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Church, we're full. We're a full church. And there's there's empty seats. And we're a full church. I mean, if one vessel, if just one vessel, if just one vessel is sent back out, if just one vessel is sent back out, it's only a matter of time. Because God, like God said in, in Isaiah, you know, as the rain comes and as the, as the snow and the rain fall from heaven and, 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 and waters the ground and, and makes the fruit bloom up, so is my word. It's going to do. It's going to go. It's going it's to go that, and do that which was sent forth to do. Hallelujah. It's going gonna, it's gonna to bring forth harvest. It's going to bring forth growth. Now, the thing is, some things grow a lot faster than others. Weeds just shoot right up. But everybody kills weeds. Sometimes things just take a little while to grow. And you gotta trust God in the growing process. You gotta, you gotta, you just gotta know that that the seed was planted. You just gotta know that the vessel was brought in, filled up, that it was a borrowed vessel. You just got to send it. You just got to get it in your hands. Let God do His work. Let God do His will. Now, you got to make sure that it's full. You gotta, you gotta make sure that that, that 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 God's finished with it. Then you use that anointing, you you use that vessel. But ultimately, when you send it out, you you do just that. You send it. It's like when when me and Brax play football, you know. He throws it to me, and I throw it back to him. I send it to him. I, I, I send out a pass. If it never leaves my hand, then it's not really a pass. It's, I don't know, it's, you just get sacked. <laughs> I mean, hold the ball, that's what's going to happen. So we bring them in, we fill them up. 
bring ourselves in, we fill ourselves up. And then we send it back out. And that's the, where the, the hang-up comes sometimes. Because you, 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 you send the vessel back out. And then there's like there's no, there's no reply email. You know what I mean? There's no text sent back. You get what I'm saying? You, you, you send a text and then they don't send you anything back. It's like, did they get it or not? They don't have the read receipt turned on. Trying to be sneaky. You know what it is. They want to look at that text and see if they, see if they want to reply or not. And if you ask them to do something, they don't reply. They show up, great. If they don't, man, I didn't get your text. I don't know what happened. I didn't have good signal at the time. Kind of, kind of makes you worried whether or not that the uh, the message that you was trying to convey went forth when you send that text. And I'll tell you what's worse when you know the for the blue bubbles in here when you when you. When you send a text, and a blue bubble is when you send a text on iMessage. You got blue bubbles and you got green bubbles. It's, it's like the caste system in India. It's, you know, I ain't going to judge you, but you ain't blue bubble. But you know, when you send a green bubble guy a text and, and you ask him a question or you, you invite him somewhere or you just... Tell them something, and then that little thing pops up with those three dots that goes. Shh, shh, shh. That means they're typing a message, right? You see that pop up? It's like, all right, just to get a little confirmation here, just to make sure that my message was received. Can't wait to see what they send back. And those dots scroll, and then what happens? Psh, they disappear. So the logical answer there is that they were sending this long, elaborate message back to you and their phone died. Or they said, eh, I ain't got time for this and just didn't send it back. But it, it kind of leaves you feeling unfulfilled when, when something as simple as sending a text or an email and not getting a reply Maybe it's just me. Does anybody else feel unfulfilled when that happens? Yeah, I mean, did they get it? Did they not? Maybe they don't like me anymore. Maybe they're tired of me. Maybe they're not talking to me anymore. But it's just like a an unclosed book. It's like you get to the end of the chapter and the pages are ripped out. There's no closure to it. So what I'm trying to say is, church, if I text you, please just say, okay. No, not really. What I'm trying to say is that when you send something out and don't get immediate results, it leaves you feeling unfulfilled. When you send prayers out, when you send people out, when you send vessels out, when you know that you're operating in the anointing of the Holy Ghost and you, and you speak a word or you receive a word or just anything, anything like that and, and you don't instantly see 
that bubble pop up saying, okay, I got it. Or, hey, guess what? That person we requested prayer for received the Holy Ghost. Or, or, or you, you send that prayer out or that, that anointing or whatever it may be. You send it out. And you speak the name of Jesus over it, and you don't get the reply message back instantly. It kind of leaves you with questions. It kind of leaves you feeling unfulfilled. That's okay to say that sometimes it that it just feels like the uh, uh, a prayer that you prayed or something you fasted over, or really believed God for that that didn't happen in the time frame that you wanted it to happen in. It'll leave you feeling unfulfilled. But ultimately, it's not our job. It's not our concern. And just to get right down to it, it's none of our business how God fills those vessels or what He does with that oil after He puts in them or what He's going to do with it. It's our job to go out and gather them up, and bring them in, and let that all be used, and then to give it back to God, and let Him do with it as He sees fit. As He sees fit. Hallelujah. But I thank God. I thank God that the vessel of this church, the vessel of this church is filled the vessel of this church is running over full. The vessel of this church is filled to the brim, sloshing out with the power of the Holy Ghost, with the power of God, with the anointing of God, with all that God has provided for us. Come on, we're a powerhouse church. We're packed to the gills with Holy Ghost power. We're just slammed full of it, running over. I believe that this church is so full of power that there's absolutely no nothing that if we didn't ask God for it would all be in his time but whenever it come right down to it God is going to perform it and I'm telling you not very long from now people are going to say you know what if you need a miracle you need to get to Wallace Ridge not very long from now this church is going to move from having a reputation of just being a Holy Ghost filled church to having a reputation as the place to go to receive a miracle as the place to go to receive salvation. They're going to be coming from all around. Almost like a pilgrimage. I've got to get to that church. I've got to get to that place. I've got to get to that place where the presence and the power of God rest. Ah. And this is how we're going to do it. And it's already starting. And I thank Brother Stevenson that he set the ball in motion, set it rolling. And, and, and this is where this church is going to receive our next level in the power of God, in the power of the Holy Ghost. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 28, verse 16 through 20, it's the Great Commission. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee into the mountain where Jesus appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, and some doubted. I don't think that means the eleven disciples doubted, but I think that means that all the people that were there. We're, we'll read in a minute where this same, uh, this same passage was recorded by Mark, and it, it basically said there were so many people there that they were falling all over the top of each other. If you've got that many people together, let me tell you something about people. 
If you got two people discussing one thing, even if they agree on 99% of it, there's going to be 1% disagreement. That's just the way it is. Uh, the thing about people, and uh, I'm an expert at this because I am one. I'm a people. People are people. That's <laughs> just how it is. You know what the saying is? Oh, you know how people are, right? Well, you know how you know people how people are because you are one of them, and you know how you are. And that's one thing that we all have in common here tonight. We're all people, and we all know how people are. So we all know how each other are. So is there some super surprise when Jesus is preaching? I mean, this is after his resurrection. I mean, that's... If anything's going to make a believer out of you is seeing a resurrection. But still, some doubt it. But that's for a different time and a different place. What's it going to take for some people? It's going to take Jesus. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, mm, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. All power is given unto Jesus. And then Acts chapter 1 says, but ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Now, very basic, very rudimentary. When you're filled with the power of the Holy Ghost, you're filled with the essence and the presence of Jesus. So, and, and, and this is one of those, uh, what's that? If, if A equals B and B equals C, then A equals C, whatever it's called. Something to do with math. If all power is given unto Jesus, and then, so that's A equals B, and then Jesus fills us when we receive the Holy Ghost, and there's proof in Acts chapter 1, it says that, you know, we shall receive power. Then all power that, that Jesus contains, when he comes into our heart, is then contained within this vessel. So, Matthew chapter 8 says, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. And earth. And it says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost. And we know that that, that name is Jesus, baptizing them in the name of of Jesus. There's a very interesting word that I absolutely love within that state in that verse. And it's therefore. Oh. Therefore is one of those make you sound words. Y'all know what a make you sound word is? There's two kind of there's two kind of make you sound words. There's make you sound smart words, 
and there's make you sound dumb words. <laughs> well, therefore, is a make you sound smart word. Because if you drop that little jewel in any kind of sentence, people's going to think that you're really something. You use words like that. Therefore, henceforth, herewith too. Any of those words that don't really make sense, man, you find some way to drop them in there, they're going to make you sound smart, unless you use them wrong, like they do on Judge Judy all the time. It's going to make you sound dumb. But therefore, it's, it, 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 it's, it's a really cool word. It says, uh, you know, it says, All power in heaven and earth is given unto me. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. Therefore simply means because of. That's all it means. It just means because of or because, or you could actually say it means henceforth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. Twist it around. Go teach all nations because Jesus was given all power in heaven and earth. Go ye into all nations because you're full of Jesus Christ. Go gather vessels because you're full of Jesus. Go gather vessels. Teach all nations because you're full of the Holy Ghost. Because you're full of the power and the anointing and the presence of God. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. Go gather them up and bring them in. And let God do the rest. So we do that. And this is this is the road we're on. And these pauses are simply to make the clock tick. But this is the road we're on, church. We're on a process. We're on a mission. And I'm 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 gonna tell you about some of it. Next, uh, next service. We're, we as a church are going forth. And, and, and maybe we're not teaching all nations with our words. But we're helping all nations be taught. And, and, and I'm, I'm telling y'all, and then, and, and, and thank you, Pastor, for, for, for pushing the, 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 the mission's drive in this church. And, it, and, and, and it's going to bring some stuff to pass that we've, we, we hadn't saw. Because when you go ye therefore, when you go ye into all the world, 
and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. Now, now here's the key to the, to the success and the future of this church. You go ye therefore into all nations, and you preach the gospel, because we're full vessels, and we fill them up, and we send them back out. And then we say, God, we've done our part. We put forth the money. We put forth the effort. We put forth the vessels. And these signs shall follow them that believe. They shall. Everybody say, they shall. They shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. Now, if y'all want to drag out the boxes with the snakes, get after it. I'm going to take that to mean that we're going to have so much faith that the Holy Ghost moved upon us and the Lord Jesus descended into this house and said, I want you to pick up a snake. Then, maybe, that may put me into that category of those that doubt. I mean, it's going to have to take something. But anyway... They, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands upon the sick, and they shall recover. Let's stand all over this church. Let me tell this church something. And it's something that's going to come to pass. To pass. Because it's a biblical principle. And biblical principles work for everybody. They work for non-believers because they're biblical principles. And the Word of God is infallible. A biblical principle that we just laid out and talked about and presented with facts and with evidence is that if we go forth into all the world and teach the gospel and preach the gospel, or if we go forth into our own community and bring in vessels, two things are going to happen. Those vessels are going to be filled and we're going to see the miraculous power of God and the Holy Ghost and outpouring at this church like never before. And I believe the more we go and the more we send and the more we bring and the more we teach and the more we give, the more we're going to see that miraculous power. Amen. Now, in real quick closing, I want to talk to you very briefly because you're already standing about a conversation and about Snapchat. It's been about 10 years ago. My, my grandpa Stockman was still alive. And, and I think I probably told this story here dozens of times. But we were talking. Let's see. He died when he was 84, I believe. So he was in his late 70s, early 80s. We were talking about social media. He had, you know, pretty much no concept of social media. He was just asking me about it, about what it is and about what it done and 
and all this. And then that branched off into a conversation about the technology that we have today. And it's a conversation I will never forget. I cherish it in my heart. Because he spoke one thing to me that has resonated with me, and it's always in the back of my mind. He said, you know, Brandon, if the generation before me would have had the conveniences and the technology that the generation after me has, then I think back to how that first revival in Catahoula Parish would have spread faster and further and reached more people than what it did. And it, boy, it really just stuck with me. And the thing about social media and Snapchat more especially is there's a feature on Snapchat that if you open it up and do your finger like that on the screen, you know what it does? It, it brings up a map of the world, the whole world. And then on that map, there's glowing blue dots all over the world, little pockets like Big cities will have a lot of dots, and little towns will have a few dots, and Antarctica has no dots. Because what that is, that's people sharing their stories. I believe that's how you say it. Or that's probably not right. That's people sharing their snaps or whatever, whatever it is. But you can scroll over this map, and anywhere in the world, you can click on one of them blue dots and see what somebody's doing. What a small world we live in. And that got me thinking of that statement he made. If the ones before me had the same stuff that the ones after me have, what revival we would have saw? Well, they had revival because they reached people the best way that they could. You know, they walked and they, they, they rode horses but guys, we can take our phones and see what somebody in China's doing right now. And that got me to thinking. Jesus taught a parable, a parable about the servants and, and what they should do when the master comes home. And he said, you can either stay ready all the time for when the master comes, or you can basically beat the other servants and take a nap. And then he closed out that parable with this phrase paraphrase. He said, to whom much is given, much is required. Church, I leave you with a challenge. We're full to the brim with the anointing of the Holy Ghost, with the power of God. But we're also full to the brim with the ability to reach people all over the world. Much is given to us, and much is required. This is not a local thing, church. It's not about Wallace Ridge. It's not about Catahoula Parish. It's not about Louisiana. It's not about the United States. It's about reaching people globally. We have the power. We have the resources. We have the will and the want to to do it. I say, let's reach the world and watch the power and the anointing of God.
bless this church in ways that He has never blessed us before. In the name of Jesus. Let's pray. Lord Jesus.